We're very thankful, as always, to Illinois State Senator Terry Bryant for joining us. Terry, thanks for the time. Oh, it's always my pleasure, Will. I love to be on your show. We've talked a lot in the last week about the recent uh, developments concerning Senate Bill 1909, which uh, was attempting to criminalize pro-life free speech, essentially. And uh, I know that you and, of course, many other Republicans put out press releases uh, very thankful and lauding the fact that that bill had been knocked down. Uh, Give us your reaction. Well, that was uh, one of several bills that went through the legislature this past year that I believe really was an attack on our constitutional rights. I mean, we've seen lots of them on our Second Amendment rights. But this, that bill went straight to our First Amendment right to free speech. So let me give you a scenario uh, that this might have looked like. I, I actually am the, I'm, I'm now the assistant uh, leader in the Illinois Senate, and I'm also the assistant floor leader. So I tend to be the one that is debating against some of these really bad bills as a part of my responsibility. So I talked a lot about it on the Senate floor. But this is the scenario. Um, you you would be an individual uh, who was sitting in a, a lawn chair in front of a Planned Parenthood facility with a poster board that said uh, that there are risks with abortion. You could have something as simple as that. And under uh, that particular Senate bill, the attorney general could decide to um, prosecute you for a deceptive practice. Uh, so you wouldn't have the right to say that abortions have risks involved with them when we all know that abortions have risks. Uh, there's There are now laws that say that we as legislators and as the general public, you can't even know how many women have been taken from an abortion clinic to a hospital because of um, dif- uh, of bad things that have happened during a particular abortion. There are risks every single day of women who die in childbirth. Of course, there are risks when someone has an abortion. But I guess the thing that uh, created the most angst um, amongst those who opposed the bill was that the attorney general already had the right to sue someone uh, or to um, to uh, bring suit against someone who was engaging in a deceptive practice. He already had the right to do that. So the only reason for this Senate bill, in essence, was to stick a knife in and twist it into a situation that was already very bad. So I'm very glad that the courts uh, ruled in what we already knew to be true, and that was that bill is uh, violates our constitutional rights to free speech. Yeah, and these uh, pro-life pregnancy centers you know, are essentially guilty of giving out free car seats, formula, and diapers to people, and that's who we you know were attempting to harass because they. Well, have yeah, a- and you think yeah, that's so. It isn't just you're right. It isn't just the people who would be sitting out in front of a Planned Parenthood facility. It's any crisis pregnancy center. If you if you actually so if you go to a crisis pregnancy center, say. Uh, the one in Carbondale, and you can get a free ultrasound, which, by the way, I have a bill um, that says that if someone has an ultrasound performed on them, they have a right to see that ultrasound. At a Planned Parenthood facility, you are actually prohibited from seeing the ultrasound that was just performed on you. Why? 
because 75% of the time, if a woman sees that ultrasound, sees her baby moving, sees that it is in fact alive, 75% of the time they will not have an abortion. So they won't allow you to see it. My bill says that you must be allowed to see it if you want to see it. You don't have to if you don't want to. But in a crisis pregnancy center, if you went in and you actually were looking for a choice, which those who term themselves pro-choice say that they're after, right? If you go in and say, tell me what happens in an abortion. If that pro-life center, if that crisis pregnancy center starts to tell you what what how, how an abortion is actually performed, they could be in danger of deceptive practices. And so it was very dangerous for them. It would have put these, uh, it would have put the um, crisis pregnancy centers totally out of, um, out of business. And you're right. They give free diapers, car seats. Uh, they give counseling for uh, financial counseling. They will give maternity clothes. It just goes on and on and on because their goal really is to, to show a woman that you can choose to keep your baby. And sometimes those women feel like they can't, but they can show them that it is possible to do that. Well, that uh, bill is not going to be enforced, and so we are happy about that if you are a person of a pro-life perspective anyway. Um, The uh, gun ban bill and the Protect Illinois Communities Act, as it was entitled, it is going to go into force as of January the 1st, but... The administrative rules have still not been sorted out. And um, I don't know, there just seems to be a lot of question marks in the air surrounding this. Yeah, so I, I went to the uh, meeting in Caseyville. There were three meetings held around the state. I find it very interesting that the version of Southern Illinois, so there was one in Chicago, one in Springfield, and then one in Caseyville. So figure hour and 45 minutes south of Springfield. I don't think there was any consideration given to the fact that there's another three hours between Caseyville and Paducah, Kentucky. So deep Southern Illinois was completely left out of any of the hearings. They were only required to have three around the state. So the most, the farthest south they went was Caseyville, so bigger than Metro East. At that hearing, uh, it was set up. So there was probably 150 to 200 people in the room there was no sound system. So if you were sitting in the back of the room or close to the back of the room, like I was, very difficult to hear most of the questions. Um, it, it wasn't, uh, there was not a lot of notice given to where the hearing would actually be held. And there were more questions than there were answers. One question that I posed had to do, and, and it has, had not been brought up yet, and I still haven't been given an answer, are for those who have pawned their firearms. So if you pawned your firearms before, I think, what was it, January 12th, 13th of 2023, so last January, this past January, if you pawned it prior to that, that pawn shop cannot return the firearm to you. But they also cannot register it because they're not the owner. The owner can't register it because they're not in possession. And the pawn shops don't know what to do with the firearm now or after January 1. Come January 1, We still don't know what the courts are going to say about all of this. And I still don't really understand how you're supposed to register your magazines since there's no serial number on them. So really what you would do is get online and say how many 
of these um, prohibited magazines you own. So someone could put whatever they want on there. Also, want to continue to remind folks, just so they can see how egregious this law is, the state police can continue to add to that list of prohibited firearms. I believe they're allowed to do it once a year. So um, the list, even though it's five pages long right now, they can add to that list. And the only notification that anyone is going to get is that periodically you should go to the state police website and look at the list to see if a firearm that you maybe now inherited or bought in another state uh, is on that list. So you could actually be a felon without even knowing it because the list may be changed from time to time. So uh, clearly I still believe that the United States Supreme Court will overturn this law. We just don't know when. So people are calling my office to ask what they should do. Well, the law says that you are supposed to Register your firearm by December 31st. What you do about that law is entirely up to you. Well, um, and one thing that I have read is that, you know, a lot of sheriffs and state's attorneys are indicating, without saying it completely out loud, that they have no interest in enforcing this law and they're not going to be running around, uh, you know, knocking on doors and asking people if they've got any of these firearms in their homes. Yeah, I don't know how they would enforce it. You'd have to, they would have to come into your home to, they'd have to have a search warrant to come into your home. Then they'd have to, in a lot of cases, have to get into your gun safe. Uh, but, you know, the, the really horrible part about this bill is the first, I believe the first charge is a class one misdemeanor. The second charge is a class three felony. Well, if you get a felony in Illinois, you're going to lose your FOID card. Uh, And I very strongly believe that this law is a violation of the Second Amendment. I actually believe that President Harmon knows that that's the case. I'm told he's a very good attorney. I think that uh, Governor Pritzker knows that it's a violation of the Second Amendment. I think that Speaker Welch knows that it's a violation of the Second Amendment. I think they expect at any day that the courts will overturn it, but they still get the political boost that they accomplished something. I really hope that the people of Illinois take them to task and hold them accountable for the fact that they have not only passed a law that's unconstitutional, but encouraged other people to sign on to that law when you know, they're supposed to be upholding the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Illinois. They should be held accountable for a violation of their oath of office. Well, and it um, is interesting. I read an article, and I don't remember the numbers. I think the percentage of people that have registered versus the number of estimated weapons that fall under the Act is a very small percentage. Yeah, it was, well, when I looked several weeks ago, it was like 0.001%. There have been some more people who are getting nervous about not having them registered that have been doing it. But honestly, how would anyone ever know? Because you don't actually, when you buy your firearm, uh, you don't put a serial number on the, you know, on the application uh, for it. So we'll never really know how many are registered or how many are not until people start going to jail or start getting uh, misdemeanor fines or felony convictions uh, for it. So I am—I uh, I don't have a lot of faith in how the Illinois Supreme Court 
will rule on a lot of these cases, but I still have faith in the U.S. Supreme Court. And I think in the end, the U.S. Supreme Court will throw this this law out, and I hope they sanction uh, the attorneys who voted for this, uh, for this egregious attack on our Second Amendment, because the attorneys who voted for it, who happened to be legislators or a governor, should have known better, uh, and they clearly, they clearly just ignored the Constitution. Illinois State Senator Terry Bryan is with us. Uh, you have a primary opponent, Wesley Cash, who is challenging you, uh, basically says Terry Bryan isn't uh, conservative enough. I think that's going to be the... Uh, the theme of a, n- a number of these uh, primary challenges that are going on. Uh, what are you doing in terms of the primary campaign? What do you make of all of these challenges? Well, you know, my opponent is being funded uh, by his grandma and his dad, uh, known as self-funding. Um, so uh, he's, um, I think he believes that he can pull one over the, you know, the wool over the eyes of the Illinois voters by purchasing the seat uh, clearly doesn't understand that it's a lot of hard work. I hope that the hard work that I've done in the district uh, shines through, uh, worked very hard to make sure that we not only get our fair share of money from Springfield uh, in Chicago, but we have gotten a, a load of road money, uh, We've gotten more than the lion's share for schools in Southern Illinois. In fact, the largest amount of school funding uh, in the history of Illinois to the 58th Senate District. Um, He's saying that I'm pro-choice, which is the most absurd thing that I've ever heard. I was just endorsed by the two largest pro-life organizations in the state, uh, uh, really because of my stand uh, on life. Uh, I believe that God creates life uh, from conception to natural death. And you'll never find or see a place where I've said or done anything other than that. And so I'm confident that as we work through this primary, uh, people are not going to be deceived by someone who's trying to buy the position. And um, I think that uh, in the end, I'm going to continue to work hard every day. Uh, have the best constituent services in the state, uh, be respectful and mindful of the folks in this district and uh, what they what they respect and appreciate. And uh, I think that'll shine through in the end. Terry Bryant's been our guest today. We appreciate her uh, finding time for us today in the middle of what's a very busy week in the lead up to uh, Christmas Day. Terry, any final thoughts? Well, Will, as always, um, First and foremost, beyond politics, beyond anything else, I have a deep and abiding love for Jesus Christ. And the two greatest seasons uh, of our year and of our lives is Easter first and Christmas uh, second. Uh, Neither of them being significant without the other. We have a God who loved us so much that even before our mistakes in the garden, he knew that we were going to have to be saved. So he created the ability for he to come to us, just like he did. He walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam. He came and walked on the earth. He was born a baby, experienced the things that we experienced, lived, died, resurrected, and is coming again. And that's the message of this season. 
above all things political and anything that's going on in Springfield and Chicago, I hope that your audience, the state of Illinois, and all the people of this country and the world remember that. And I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. God bless, bless each and every one of you from Terry Bryant and from the Bryant family.